I'm Doug Fullington. I'm manager of audience education here at PNB, and this is the final repertory of our season opening tonight. Uh, three ballets. This is a solid rep. We've got George Balanchine, Jerome Robbins, Alexei Rotmansky. We've got Dalib, Prokofiev, Mazorgsky. Wonderful artists represented. Uh, some works that are nearly 50 years old, one work that's three years old. We're really uh, running the gamut here, but just uh, terrific and varied work. And I'm really excited for you to see it. I'm excited to talk about it. As usual, we'll go through the works in the order we're going to see them tonight. Very happy to answer any questions, discuss anything that you would like. So please just uh, jump in. That's fine. Holler if I don't see you. But uh, the other thing, these are all new to PNB. Now this first ballet, La Source, by Balanchine, the school danced it some years ago. Uh, but the company has not danced it. This is a first. But I believe that all three of the women dancing the leading role learned it as students at Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet. Carrie Imler, Nolani Pantastico, and Lita Biasucci. They all were involved in some aspect of this ballet at CPYB, as we call it, which uh, turns out wonderfully uh, uh, developed and technically able dancers, as, as we know through Carrie and Lita and Noe. And you'll be seeing Carrie tonight, partnered by Jerome Tisserand, uh, Elizabeth Murphy in the second ballerina role, and there's a corps de ballet of eight. Now where to start with this? ballet, the music, I suppose, which is probably what Balanchine would want. Leo Delib is the composer of Coppelia, the composer of a ballet called Sylvia, which is still performed in several different productions. He was one of Balanchine's favorite composers, right up there with Tchaikovsky and Stravinsky. Delib's music really personifies the French sound, the 19th century sound. They had a real way with uh, instrumentation, with writing for the instruments of the orchestra in a very colorful way, in a wonderful way with harmony. And we could trace this through the whole, the whole lineage of French composers from the 19th century right on up through the 20th century, where it got more uh, rhythmically distinct and more harmonically out there, so to speak. And uh, Delib was a wonderful composer of dance music or dansant music, as the French term uh, goes. And Balanchine loved to return to him as much as possible. And with La Source, we really have, it's a little bit of a hybrid work. He was drawing from uh, some existing work from the 50s, earlier in the 60s, but he was really starting out just to make a duet. And it was a duet for Violette Verdi, who was French and a wonderful dancer, a colorful dancer. She had wonderful technique, uh, trained in France. And she would be partnered by a young man named John Prince, who was up and coming and Balanchine wanted to create something for John Prince to help him get to the next level, if you will. And he told this to Violette Verdi. And that was part of the idea behind La Source. Now, what's this title, La Source? This is, uh, was, was a full-length ballet in 1866. It was about a water spirit, and uh, I won't go into all the details. But the composition of the ballet was shared by two composers, uh, Ludwig Minkus, 
Uh, Minkus was an Austrian composer who also ended up working in St. Petersburg and composed Don Quixote and La Bayadere, uh, quite a bit of Paquita. But this was a first for Delib. He was entrusted with two of the four scenes, and he definitely sort of came out on top, if you will, at least in, in, in the eyes of the critics. And then Delib received more commissions after that. In 1867, he wrote new music to be put into the ballet Le Corsair, or The Pirate. And then he received the commission in uh, 1870 for Coppelia, and then several years later came Sylvia. So this is one of Delib's early works. And Balanchine drew uh, the music from this ballet to create essentially two pas de deux in a row. Uh, a partnered section, or the adagio as we would call it, and two variations or solos, one for the man, one for the woman. And there were two sets of these. And usually one is, is pretty hard work. And if you put two together, it's an awful lot of work. <laughs> so when this premiered in 68 and came back into the repertory the following year, Balanchine added some choreography he had created for another short ballet to Delib's music for uh, a ballerina and eight women. And so he uh, interspersed their dances with the leading couple to create a slightly larger work. And he also drew from some choreography he had, he had made back in the 50s. So he sort of fit it all together. And uh, this is what we have as La Source today. So we have our leading couple. Then there's a second ballerina with a group of eight women. And there's, they're essentially not on stage at the same time. So there's a little bit of that schizophrenic quality, but it's the music of Delib and I think the sort of joy that infuses Balanchine's choreography that really creates the whole. It is uh, a technically challenging ballet. Uh, the steps are small scale and very representative of 19th century ballet in which the dancers didn't lift their legs as high and didn't maybe jump as far, but they could move really fast. I think we'd be surprised at how fast they moved. Uh, I work with a a woman who's an expert in 19th century ballet technique, and she said, you know, if you have trouble fitting all the steps to the music, you just need to move faster. <laughs> so you don't slow the music down, you just move faster. And I know this is a, it's a wonderful challenge and a very satisfying uh, ballet to learn for the dancers. Uh, we'll be uh, showing three casts in the leading roles over these two weekends. And it, again, it, it, the, Dance has so much joy in it, and I, I think that's a wonderful aspect of dance. It's very, uh, it's joyful, and there's, there's that uh, positive element of idealism and almost escapism, if you will, that uh, I think is a great thing about theater, and Balanchine knew this. And this would be the kind of work that would help round out a program. Uh, it might not be the centerpiece work, but it definitely is just a, uh, a, a burst of sunshine, if you will. And uh, we also have a newly edited score where we were able to access uh, Delib's original manuscripts. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of music from this period is rearranged over time. It's very popular in the first part of the 20th century, 30s and 40s. You think of Bach and Fantasia, things like that, which is great, but not really what Bach wrote. And uh, we were able to access those manuscripts and have the score re-edited freshly for this new production. So we're very excited to for you to see it and for you to hear it. So that is La Source, it was staged for us by Peter Boll, who danced this as part of his repertory at New York City Ballet.
Yes. that you go off stage and vomit, it's that hard. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to repeat that? <laughs> Kyle Davis is one of the, the men uh, that will dance uh, La Source. Uh, he's partnered with Noah Lani Pantastico. And uh, es essentially, we're saying that the ballet is so difficult that you give everything you have, and when you go off stage, I'll just say you have nothing left. <laughs> so, yes, it is uh, deceptively difficult, but the, the dancer doesn't show us that. Uh, they'll show everyone backstage that once they're off stage. The second ballet is a, is a complete departure from the world of the first one. This is Opus 19, The Dreamer. And it was choreographed by Jerome Robbins in 1979 for Mikhail Baryshnikov. Brzezhnikov, as many of you probably know, defected to the West in the uh, early 1970s. He danced at American Ballet Theater, but for one year, he danced at New York City Ballet. And Balanchine took the opportunity to restage a lot of ballets for Brzezhnikov and to coach him in things like Apollo and Prodigal Son, but new works were also made for him, and one of those was made by Jerome Robbins, Opus 19, The Dreamer. Now, Opus 19 refers to the music, which is the first violin concerto by Prokofiev, which was written during the years 1915 to 1917, so right before the October Revolution, a very tumultuous time, a momentous time, in Russian history, of course. The second half, the dreamer, is referring to the protagonist, the leading man in this ballet, or Baryshnikov. He partnered Patricia McBride, who was a longtime uh, principal dancer at New York City Ballet in this work. I went to the Robbins Rights Trust site to read about Opus 19, because they usually will include a short program note uh, with the information about each of the ballets in the Robbins repertory. The Wrights, uh, Robbins Rights Trust controls, administers the licensing of Robbins ballets. So you can go there and it will tell you how many men and how many women and how long it is and when it premiered and who the original dancers were and so forth. And it had all that for Opus 19, but it didn't have any notes. So I thought, well, I've seen the ballet twice. I saw Peter Bull dance it with Wendy Whalen two times uh, in two days at New York City Ballet uh, in the early 2000s when I was visiting and went to see New York City Ballet before Peter retired and we knew he was coming here. Uh, it was in his repertory and one of his, really I think one of his signature works. He danced it at his retirement in 2005 just before he came out here to be artistic director. But there are some quotes in a couple of the Robbins biographies from Baryshnikov, and I included those in the note that I put together. Uh, Baryshnikov suggested that perhaps there was an autobiographical feel here, uh, that uh, the leading man is a little bit of a loner. Uh, he has encounters with different people, but they're short-lived uh, any romance that might be budding with the woman he's partnering, again, is uh, ultimately unrealized. And he said, well, that was Jerry, as Robbins was known. That, that essentially was Jerry. Now, we're going to really see a different side of Robbins here than we saw last rep when we saw West Side Story Suite, very representative of the Broadway Jerome Robbins, uh, who is a sensational choreographer. 
many of his ballets made for New York City Ballet are more introspective works, and maybe none more so than this of the works that have stayed in the repertory. There were references to some earlier works. There's a work, uh, these are from the 40s and 50s, one called Facsimile, one called Age of Anxiety, works which have a, a psychological bent to them. And I feel like I'm almost treading on uh, thin ice in talking about this because these are things we would perceive as an audience member. And all of you might perceive it differently than the person next to you. I know that when I watched this ballet last night, James Moore was the dreamer. He's all in white. Everyone else is in different shades of blue. The leading woman, and then there are 12, or 12 in the ensemble, six men and six women. And the ensemble is on the stage a lot, but not a lot of interaction with the man. But there are times where you, I perceived he did see them or was aware of them. Uh, but perhaps they were, all the men were a reflection of him and all of the other women were a reflection of the leading woman who tonight will be Noelani Pantastico. Uh, the music also has a very uh, almost hallucinatory quality, if you will. Uh, Prokofiev, as we know from Romeo and Juliet and from Cinderella from Prodigal Son was uh, a master orchestrator, brilliant use of the orchestra. Uh, as Delib was for the French, uh, Prokofiev from the Russian school really inherited from composers like Rimsky-Korsakov, uh, Glinka, Glazunov, this wonderful, colorful use of the orchestra. And this sort of dreamy quality, if you will, is really uh, enhanced by how the orchestra is used. Uh, it's it's a fascinating music to my ear as I listen to it, and uh, the concerto will be performed by Michael Jin Su Lim, who is our concertmaster, brilliant uh, violinist. Um, we'll we'll have three casts in this: James Moore uh, with Nolani Pantastico. Uh, we will have um, Dylan Wald with uh, Sarah Ricard Orza. And then also Benjamin Griffiths, and I am just blanking on who Ben is partnering, but um, if you're at one of Ben's shows, it'll say in the insert, forgive me. Um, and these will be big uh, premieres for these men, because not only are you, you aren't just doing the steps, you learn the steps and you perform them in the right time, but you also have to try and, I think, immerse yourself in the in the feeling of the ballet and that's a very uh, that's quite transitory if you will and 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 almost transcendent too uh, watching it last night I was very moved by how how the whole was uh, came across and I, I think I'm being slightly incoherent but maybe that's appropriate for the piece <laughs> anyhow uh, I think this is a fascinating addition to the repertory. A side of Jerome Robbins we don't usually see, and it was also work that was very close to Peter Bowl. He worked, uh, he worked quite a bit with Robbins on this work, and Robbins didn't select many dancers to perform it. And uh, Peter has staged it here, uh, taught uh, all the roles, of course. So um, excited for you to simply experience the piece, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs>
Then we can go on to pictures at an exhibition. Yes, please. Yes, thank you. Rachel Foster with Benjamin Griffiths. Sorry, Rachel. Pictures at an exhibition. Uh, music is Famous, of course, by Mazorgsky. Uh, famous, most, I think, more so even in the orchestration by Ravel, but we'll hear it tonight in the original form, which is piano solo performed by Alan Dameron. Amazing work. This was choreographed in 2014 for New York City Ballet by Alexei Rotmansky. Uh, this is our third Rotmansky Ballet. We have Concerto DSCH set to the Shostakovich Concerto. We have Don Quixote, which was made for Dutch National and we performed twice and now we have pictures at an exhibition. And uh, I can't say enough about Rotmansky except that I think his work is very important and I think that if you're a serious dance goer, it's great that you're here and it's great that you'll see it. Um, he is extremely prolific right now, uh, choreographing all over the world, sort of tirelessly. He doesn't sleep very much, which is something I know. And uh, just, he recreates, he does a number of things, and I wrote about this in the notes. He recreates 19th century ballets from the same notation system that I work with. Uh, he has a real love of Shostakovich and has choreographed many works to the work of Shostakovich. He has, um, he is the artist in residence at American Ballet Theater and also regularly choreographs a New York City Ballet, Miami City Ballet, and I want to say that I think we're going to see him here too. He was here two days last week to coach this piece. Uh, just fascinating and unique. He's very dedicated to classical ballet and working in the classical idiom, but it's a little bit of similarity, I think, with Balanchine. Balanchine was a real chameleon and sponge. He did a lot of work on Broadway. He worked in jazz and tap. Uh, he knew a lot of folk dance, and he incorporated so many types of movements into ballet vocabulary. And I see that with Alexei, too. I see, see it, though, Alexei looking back on the history of Russian dance, back through the sort of... Um, development of the sort of Bolshoi style in the 30s and 40s, that sort of heroic, larger-than-life style, uh, the folk dance, uh, reaching back to the 19th century and the works of Marius Petipa and that school, and I see him incorporating all of that into the style that he's working in now. I look at pictures at an ex exhibition, and I see things that I've seen in dance notation. I see things that I've seen in films uh, out of the Soviet era and so forth. So just huge vocabulary and extremely responsive to music. What we have here is this set of uh, dances that Mazorgsky wrote. He wrote them in memory of his friend Victor Hartman, who was a painter who died, I believe, in 1873. And Mazorgsky wrote pictures at an exhibition in 1874. There was an exhibition of Hartmann's work and Mazorgsky went to it and was moved by a number of the paintings to write these uh, 10 pieces um, with a sort of uh, connecting work, which is called the promenade, as you would promenade through walk through the exhibit, and that comes at various times. And you can see the different titles here, the gnome, the old castle, so forth. BDO at the bottom of the page, that's cattle or cows. Uh, Ballet of the unhatched chicks, catacombs, 
with the dead in a dead language, and so forth. The great gate of Kiev, of course, famous. And he has created dances for really what is a community of people here, five men and five women. Uh, they dance as an ensemble. They dance uh, women together, men together. They dance solos. Right at the beginning of the piece, we uh, see them all kind of perform for each other. They're all grouped together, and one at a time, different dancers will come out and dance a little bit as the others look on with enthusiasm, almost as if they're uh, introducing themselves to each other at the same time as they're introducing themselves to us. Uh, the look of this ballet is fascinating. Um, the backdrop is derived from Kandinsky's, uh, Vasily Kandinsky's color study, Squares with Concentric Circles, from 1913. I did ask Alexei why this was here, uh, why he used it in this ballet that's related to Mazorgsky and Hartmann, and he said, and I don't think he'll mind saying it, that this was the picture that was hanging in the hospital room when his wife uh, Tatiana was giving birth to, to their son Vasily and that Alexei said he stared at it for hours. <laughs> uh, Alexei worked with an incredible projection designer, Wendell Harrington. She has been really leading the way in theatrical projection design for 30 years and she's head of the department at Yale. Uh, she has deconstructed the Kandinsky. It moves, it grows, it slides in and out. Uh, everything you can imagine to accompany these dances. I think it's absolutely fascinating, and I think it complements the dances very well. Um, well, there's a software. How does it move? There's a software that Wendell uses, and that's, that's set up. I think it's projected from the back, I think. Yeah, it's got to be, yeah. Uh, she was here this week, too. She said she wanted to come and make sure it would look right in this theater. It was an opportunity to revisit the work. So she was with us until this afternoon, and she's gone back east. Uh, beautiful, beautiful lighting design from Mark Stanley. Uh, all of these things work together. And uh, Adeline Andre has made the most fascinating and unusual costumes uh, for the dancers that play on the Kandinsky color palette. And uh, they're almost shapeless costumes, if you will. And, but they allow for all the different kinds of movement that Romanski is requiring here. The women are on point, and there are sometimes classical and academic steps, but there are all kinds of steps that I think don't have names. And I think there are backstories to these. I think the idea of the different portraits come into play. I think there's a lot going on here, but we don't need to know any of it to enjoy it. And I think that's also part of the brilliance of Rotmansky and the piece, is you can just look at it in the moment while you're listening to the music and uh, experience it. Um, it's, I think it's quite terrific. I don't mind saying I think he's, I think he's brilliant and uh, someone to really... Uh, watch and keep an eye on and I know that we're happy and we're proud to have uh, his work in the repertory. Uh, we'll have two casts uh, performing uh, pictures at an exhibition, in some cases three casts, and uh, we've had a wonderful time working with our stager who is Wendy Whalen. Uh, this is Wendy's first staging uh, job. Wendy was for 30 years uh, ballerina at New York City Ballet, 
She retired uh, just after premiering this work in 2014. Uh, the role that Elizabeth Murphy's dancing tonight, her costume has a yellow tint to it. That was Wendy's role. And uh, she's just been wonderful to work with. Um, she also is the subject of a dance film that's going to be at Northwest Film Forum. I'm sure we'll send something out. It opens July 26th. It's called Restless Creature, Wendy Whalen, and it just chronicles the end of her career and what it's like as a dancer to move on from your dancing career, to uh, be injured and uh, recover from that. And uh, it is a very uh, sort of baldly honest film. I've, been, I've had the pleasure of seeing it, and uh, I think it's wonderful and does a lot for the ballet community in the eyes of the public. So that's something to look forward to as well. We just loved having her here. Um, so those are our three works. These are really uh, choreographically dense, musically sophisticated pieces, but again, uh, from choreographers who uh, allow us to sort of come as we are and enjoy them in the moment and also enjoy the particular dancers and what they individually will bring to it. So uh, it, it feels like a very momentous evening with these three new works from very uh, just major uh, choreographers. After the performance, Peter Bull will be here, uh, down here with uh, Liz Murphy. And uh, she will have performed in La Source as the second ballerina and also in the Wendy Whalen role in Pictures at an Exhibition. So Liz will have a lot to say and Peter as well, having staged La Source and Opus. So there'll be someone representing each of the ballets here. And uh, so do come back for that. Now we have a few minutes. If there's anything that I could uh, answer for you, yes. No, I don't think so. When I the question is about Balanchine and the type of choreography in La Source. Nineteenth century ballet choreography is is could be uh, put under the umbrella of what we might call petit allegro, small fast steps, as opposed to really large jumps and high extensions and things like that. Dancers jumped an awful lot, and you can see it in the photos of nineteenth century dancers. Very developed legs and calf muscles. And uh, this petit allegro style is something that Balanchine used often. He was trained in it and he was uh, happy using it and also liked sort of exploring how, how much could a dancer do or how fast could a dancer that or if we change this part of the step or add this to it, uh, is it possible? And so in La Source, which has music from 1866, from that time period, I think paying homage to the time period of the music, he choreographed steps that um, come from that French uh, ballet vocabulary that are very challenging steps, both for the men and for the women. Yeah. Uh, sure, and then we'll just go around. Not only Petit Allegro in this, but a lot of <coughs> desks, a lot of 
things that look very much like the ballerina on top of the music box. You see the, the poses and the, the, the you know, things, and it's very much that kind of thing as well. Yes, good point that there are a lot of just quintessential uh, poses and sort of looks for the ballerina, and that Violet Verdi, who was the original interpreter, was... Uh, very gifted in her physique really lent itself with her turnout of her hips to the the kind of look that was you know was required by by ballet yes am i correct that carrie imler is retiring yes carrie imler is retiring this is not her last performance this is her last set of performances and i did want i'm so glad you brought it up because i wanted to get to this before we go the um after we have our seven performances of this repertory program on the 11th of june sunday at 6 30 in the evening we'll have our season encore performance which is uh, a little bit of an encore of the season but it's mostly a celebration of the careers of carrie imler and bacharel bold both of whom are retiring and they will be featured in a number of works that they've chosen. And uh, it is, uh, it really will be a gala in their honor. So if you haven't been to a retirement gala, they're really terrific. Uh, before I worked here, I remember coming to Ben Houck's, coming to Lucinda Huey's, and uh, really wonderful. It made me want to be a part. So. Uh, I believe it's been announced that she'll at least for the time being, join the faculty of the school. But I believe she will also be in school herself. Yep. I think that's as far as we've, we've, uh, as far as we know. Yes, and she is a mother. Yes. You might see her son making an appearance. Uh, yes. Yes, the, the film with Wendy Whalen is called Restless Creature. And there's a colon, and then her name, Wendy Whalen. Northwest Film Forum, mm, July 26th to 30th, August 2nd and 3rd, something like that. But if you go to the Northwest Film Forum site, I don't think the house they show in is too big, so it's worth, worth getting a ticket if you can select your day. Yeah. So yes, do consider coming to the season encore performance. Uh, there will be some works on there that we haven't performed in some time, but that Carrie and Bold uh, had wanted to do, part of Balanchine's Theme of Variations, part of Kent Stoll's Cinderella, uh, a piece made for Carrie for that evening by Keon Gaines. And uh, it's just a nice, a really nice celebratory program in their honor. So, yes, one more. Is he still dancing? Is Bold still dancing? No, Keon. Keon. No, he's he's teaching, choreographing. He's doing a lot of sports too. I know that he's doing tennis and uh, snowboarding and all kinds of things. <laughs> he wouldn't do as a dancer because you don't want to risk it. Yes, he's he's very very busy. Uh, up in the office, he's right next to me, so I see a lot of him and keep tabs on all the different things. Yes, Ezra Thompson choreographs. He has been for the Next Step uh, programs for uh, school performance this year and for the company next year. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of talent. Sure, one more then. I, I noticed that Bold is not in this uh, uh, performance. Uh, is, is he sitting this one out, or, is, or will he be in some of the other? 
Good question. Bold is, uh, we'll be dancing pictures at an exhibition, not tonight, but uh, on alternate, in alternate performances. And that's the only ballet he, uh, he is in this rep, and Carrie is in pictures and La Source. And then they'll have their gala on the 11th. So, All right, everyone, I hope you're excited, as excited as I am. Thank you.